0: Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. This is episode 969, my interview with Giovanni Densman and we're discussing practical meditation. Enjoy. Good morning, Giovanni. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here, mate. Thank you, Lee. It's great to be here. You're a fellow Aussie down in Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, How long have you been there for? I
1: was born and raised in Brazil. I migrated to Australia about nine years ago and then I
0: became a citizen as well and uh well well um attuned to meditation and the practice of Mm -hmm. absolutely so tell us you've got you've got a lot going on you've got a a podcast a website uh live and dare liveanddare.com and a book that's um been quite well received looks like it was released back in 2018 called practical meditation um how did all this begin Yeah.
1: So I started practicing meditation when I was 14 or 15 years old. Really? Um, I was a very restless teenager. (laughs) I had a lot of energy in me that I didn't know what to do with. Uh, Lots of thoughts, um, kind of energy going everywhere, and I couldn't manage myself effectively. Looking back, I can say this. Um, And so... I started reading about meditation because I was interested in um, things that are kind of spiritual.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I started reading about meditation. And when I actually tried it, I felt, wow, this feels amazing. I, it was a, a workshop that was being held in my city. There was a guided meditation of about 10 minutes. And for the first time in my life, I was in a place of peace. Hmm. I was feeling happy in the present moment nothing to run after, nothing to run away from, just feeling well under my own skin. Yeah. And that felt really special. So that day I decided that I would meditate every day for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, What, what was, inspires a 14-year-old to do meditation? I mean, was there someone around you, mother, father, and the, um, the mentor that sort of you know got you into it? Or did you just find that? Because I, I, I couldn't imagine at 14 <laughs> even thinking about meditation. I didn't even know what meditation was then.
1: Yeah, and at that time, meditation was not cool as it is today. You know, I was just a weirdo who was trying some weird
0: Eastern stuff. But I sometimes uh, still have that judgment, unfortunately. I <laughs> see someone sitting on a rock in the middle of a nice pond meditating. That's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, with the, the lotus posture
1: and um, some yeah, incense yeah. and the um, type of instrumental music and all of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened for me is that I... I'm very curious, so i I was curious about kind of uh, philosophy and religion and spirituality, and what's more, there is out there in terms of meaning of life. And you know, I, I wanted to know more about these things, and so I started reading books. And all of these books, whether they were talking about Buddhism or Taoism or the yogis in India, they all emphasize the need of meditation. And meditation were you brought up practice. in a
0: religious backing, like were you? Was your family religious in any kind?
1: Uh, well, my grandparents are kind of very Christian, mm-hmm. but uh, I was never drawn to Christianity. For me, it was just something that my grandma used to do.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that wasn't a, a huge influence on you then, but you just had mm-hmm. this innate sort of curiosity for the meaning, I suppose, of life.
1: Yeah. Which, again,
0: yeah. is quite deep for a 14-year-old to have, like... Those right. 14s are thinking about you know girls and, and their acne and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That wasn't me, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was also thinking about those things, but there was a deeper itch inside of me that needs to needed to be addressed. Hmm. And so I, I just always loved reading, and my mom had these Paulo Coelho books, so I I started reading them, and there was all this talk about you know this other yes. aspects of life, and then
0: one thing led to another. Okay. Like the hero's journey and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How do you describe that to someone that's, you know, living a, what essentially we'd see as a stereotypical life? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we have a, tense, uh, a sense to look out there into the external world and then adapt our behaviours and our lifestyle based on everything that's going on around us rather than taking that hero's journey, looking within and, and taking our own journey. And, and that's easy enough to get sucked into that because pretty much most of the population do. Yeah. But to Absolutely. someone like that, that's in that position, how would you approach this topic? Mm-hmm. So, I, I think there are two ways to
1: to approach this. One of one of them is, um, you know, your, your life is as your mind is. If your mind is happy, if your mind is well, then you're having a good day. Mm. If your mind is unhappy, then even if everything's happened okay outside of you, you are having a bad day. Your mind decides the thoughts you have, the feelings you have, um, the decisions you make in your life, what you do and what you don't do, where you go and where you don't go, what is good for you, what's not good for you. So the mind is this like supercomputer, is this manager of everything in our life.
0: Hmm.
1: And yet um, most people, they they don't pay any attention to their minds. They think that they believe their thoughts just because it's, it's their thoughts. Um, they don't question their limiting beliefs. They don't do any inner work. They just kind of live from that point onward. Now, meditation invites you to, to slow things down, to yeah. pause hmm. and to look inside yourself, to see what's going on in your inner world. What type of thoughts and feelings are, are coming for you day after day? And are these thoughts even true? Um, are these beliefs, these feelings, these patterns, are they helping you in your life? or Are they holding you back? Hmm. Are they making you happy or are they making you suffer? Just really getting to know oneself. And once you start doing that, once you start having more awareness of your internal world, then you're able to make better choices. You're able to get free from certain patterns that, you know, they don't need to be like that. It's just a thought. It's not who I am. If I have a job interview and there's this voice of an inner critic inside of me saying, like, you know what, you're not good enough for this one. You're not going to... It, it's not for you. You're not going to get it, right? If mm. you have no self-awareness, no training in meditation, you may just believe that voice and feel like that. And then, yeah. of course, you're not going to show up confident in the, in the interview, and you're very unlikely to get it because you didn't show up confident. And then that is the confirmation bias. The inner critic says, see, I told you. Mm. Now that's just the way we are living our lives. We are um, repeating our past. We are living from our conditioning. Know the the thoughts we have in our mind, the stories we're telling ourselves, they have been planted there, consciously or unconsciously, hmm. by our parents and um, influences in our early life, like school, friends, siblings, etc.
0: The experiences, yeah,
1: exactly. And so, if we have no awareness, if we don't do any personal work, then that is that is it. Like we're gonna play our whole life with the hand of cards we've been dealt with. Yeah. But if we practice meditation if we do personal development work, if we look inside and we start questioning certain things, Hmm. then we have some freedom. We have the freedom to stop believing certain stories about ourselves. We have the freedom to create new empowering ways of thinking about ourselves and about the world and thus making better choices, um, which, of course, all leads to living a life that we are more happy
0: with. Yeah. And I guess a couple of things that come to me. Um, Number one, you know, for... For a lot of people, they're living a life, and and potentially, they might not realize it, but maybe they're they're fairly content and they're just doing the thing, going to work. It it usually takes some sort of shake up, and, and maybe you can confirm this or not, but I feel that for people to start looking at meditation as an option, they get to a point in their life that they've you know maybe lost someone, or maybe they've burnt themselves out because of work, or you know, it, it does it take some sort of moment to to get someone to look at the the value and the benefits of, of meditation uh
1: in general in my observation yes for perhaps 90 99 percent of people um yeah. if uh, things are going well in their life then they're just kind of following through you know spending time with friends watching tv going to work going on vacation etc yeah, everything mm. is kind of okay but um when suffering knocks at your door then you will look for solutions then yeah. you will look to to improve and to grow yeah. um and if that doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen in a way that is strong enough or meaningful enough for you, uh, in any case, there is the midlife crisis. <laughs> the for some people is in their forties or fifties, or some people, uh, since they are young, they feel like you know what this. Um, I'm not happy with um, the life that the world expects me to lead, the life that society says, yeah, hey, this this is what you should pursue. But I'm not happy with that. I know that's that's not going to make me happy. some people feel like that since early on Hmm. but for majority of people it's um it's really later on in life where either they have experienced suffering in different ways or um you know they've just been through a lot of things in life the world has turned many times and um they just feel like okay i'm i'm 45 let's say like in the in the next 10 years i have everything that i have now plus more i have double the amount of, of friends and wealth and pleasures and opportunities—like, will I be happy? Will I mm. be fulfilled? Or is there something else that is not addressed by having more? Yeah, yeah. Then these questions start coming up.
0: Yeah, that's only if, yeah, if they've got some level of awareness about that, I guess. Yeah, and and I think that's where I've come from myself to meditation. I sort of got to a point where, I guess, it was a career change and things that just shook life a little bit. Um, but more so, I just started to, I think I just had more time to think maybe, and I'm a, quite a deep thinker anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And I started to ask those questions, you know, what's this all about? What's it all for? I mean, where's this where's this going to take me? And I just had a, my first child, and so these questions started coming on, and, and that's when I started jumping into the personal development field and started listening to podcasts and reading books. and. and more consistently I found that meditation was a part of that and that's how I got into it so certainly mm-hmm. that's that's one path and the other path you know like you said I had a brother who actually um you know sort of hit a brick wall with with work and career and was quite burnt out and then he he stumbled across meditation and found the benefits of that but for the the other person that's just living their life at the moment there's another side to meditation not only to sort of bring on that awareness and clarity and and maybe a hopefully ultimately a life that's happier but also a life you know for those people out there to encourage them to give it a go do you think it's a practice that will help them with their overall performance Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so um nowadays there are more than six thousand studies on the benefits of meditation yeah yeah if people google the 76 benefits of meditation they will find an article that i wrote compiling all of those studies in like kind
0: of real benefits 76 benefits of meditation Meditation.
1: yeah um and so there are benefits for your well-being such as um and these are all with a regular meditation practice right it's not doing uh once a week here and there it's not going to change much but if you have a regular meditation practice even if it is not long you don't need to meditate for an hour you can meditate for you can start with five minutes and then slowly grow to 20 minutes what would a good Um, average meditation schedule look like so I, I really suggest people to start very small. Start yeah. with three minutes, do it every day, and increase one minute per week. Mm-hmm. That is so gradual that you, it's not stretching your motivation. It's not becoming too difficult too soon. And um, I would increase until 20 minutes. For, for general benefits, 20-minute uh, daily meditation practice for most people is what they need. Okay. Now, if people want more, then they can practice for longer, but in general, 20 minutes.
0: Can I ask you, Giovanni, what is your, and I know we're sort of deeming off track here, but what does your daily meditation routine look like?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I'm a meditation teacher, right? That's what I do for a living. Yeah. So um, I meditate two and a half hours a day.
0: You must never get agitated by anything.
1: <laughs> well, uh, comparing to who I was 10 years ago, 20 mm. years ago, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I can still get irritated sometimes by things like tech not working and frustrating things like that, <laughs> but um, it's um, it's a superficial it's thing. Manageable. and
0: manageable.
1: Yeah, it uh, finishes soon. But the big things of life, they don't disturb me uh, the way that they used to.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. Um, sorry, so going back to, to this practice, you know, 20 minutes a day, and we can talk about this more, I guess, as you sort of started with um, before the interview, you know, the where we're surrounded by all these practices and the guides and things you can get into. It's not hard to find a meditation app or something online which will guide you through a process mm-hmm. to do that 20 minutes a day. But um, going deeper into the science, you started on well-being. You know, Well-being oh, is yeah. one of the benefits of uh, meditation. Now, what is well-being first and foremost?
1: Uh, that's right. So in the well-being bucket, I include um, all the research that shows that meditation helps reduce anxiety, depression, phobias. It helps you increase self-esteem. Helps you feel more connected with other human beings. Um, What else comes? Yeah, I don't have. So it's it's really so
0: wellness is really like. um, It sounds like it's more about that foundational mindset.
1: Yeah, emotional and psychological well-being. Right, how you feel in your own skin. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then there are all the performance benefits of meditation. So it has been proved to. Improve your memory, um, uh, make learning, uh, improve your learning, and what else? Um, strengthen your willpower, um, improve your ability to visualize, uh, and just in general, gives you more clarity of mind because there are fewer thoughts going on in your mind. You develop more
0: awareness of what's happening, so you can, of course, focus better. Make like better that's decisions. one of the major, yeah. yeah, one of the major benefits. And I think you know, if anyone out there. Uh, particularly listening to this podcast but anyone really um i mean most people want to improve we don't necessarily want to go backwards even though for many of us we might be Mm -hmm. um so the idea of meditation is something you can start to help improve in whatever field you're doing or in your relationships or in any part of your life um is certainly a good practice to to adopt can you share with me maybe just a couple of studies that you've come across that were just like mind-boggling i suppose around you know the science behind how meditation helps wellness and also the science about how meditation helps um, attention or focus.
1: Right, right. Um, it's been a long time since I wrote that article, but one study that comes to mind now that was um, comparing two groups of people, one of them uh, don't meditate, and the other is a group of experienced meditators. Yeah. And um, they were comparing how they deal with pain and suffering. So the study was, they would, um, I think it was it was a shock or it was a, uh, something very hot. They they would apply it on your leg. Like it was yeah. painful, mm-hmm. and they are measuring with all the devices like what's happening uh, in your body, in your nervous system, in your in your emotions before, during, and after that experience. And so for the group of regular people, the non meditators, uh, they know that the pain is coming. So there is a spike in the. There's the experience of stress and anxiety before the pain. There's the experience of stress during the pain. And then there is also emotional stress after the pain, as Mm. we remember that experience. That's the the normal way to operate. But for the meditators, there was no suffering before and there was no suffering after. There was just the pain while it was happening. Hmm. So So there was no anxiety about the things that are going to happen. And there was no kind of regret in reliving the past suffering. There was just the pain in the present moment and when it's there and then when it's gone it's gone
0: hmm.
1: and that's definitely something that uh, i experienced in my life you know yeah. i am not suffering the future or resuffering suffering the past i make plans i look at the past and i learn from the past so it's not that i'm 100 percent owning the present i don't think that's the goal of human evolution uh, we have the ability to think of the past and to plan for the future so let's use it hmm. but let's not be let's be in control of it let's not be used by it so um i'm not really suffering the past and i'm not suffering in anticipation for the future
0: how do they um how do they measure that like with those guys that are are practiced meditators um how do they measure whether they had the anticipation anxiety of of the pain coming or not having it
1: so there are several biomarkers biomarkers of stress i think one of them is uh, skin conductance and uh there is the heart rate Variability. There is the breathing uh, rate. Um, there are several things that they can use to measure if you are in a state of peace and calm and contentment or mm-hmm. if you're a state of arousal.
0: So with, okay, that's interesting. So that's amazing, hey? And then with um, those meditators, experienced meditators, and I assume this is different for everyone because I think you know, life, you know, Probably you're never an experienced meditator until you, you, you're deathbed, because <laughs> it's probably an ongoing thing. But what? How do they? How do they pick out these experienced meditators? What defined one?
1: Uh, I think it was people who had been meditating for more than ten years. Okay. So it was really experienced meditators. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's a very small study. Um, it would be interesting to see what happens, like if you get a group of people who doesn't meditate versus a group of people who did not meditate six months ago but they have been meditating 20 minutes a day for the past six months which is something more achievable more uh, near future for most people um of course i wouldn't expect them to have the same level of um well-being quote-unquote well-being as the experienced meditators but i would expect them to have much less suffering than those Mm -hmm. without the train
0: yeah i look and again i've said this to you before but i um I practiced meditation for a fair few years there, you know, very consistently, um, and I probably hit the sort of peak where I felt really good from it when I was living in Japan because I had the practice. You know, every morning I'd do it, and then at night I'd even do it for twenty minutes, and I really started feeling this uh, elation as well. Um, but then coming back home, and I tried to keep it up, and things happened, and changes happened, and right now I'm very inconsistent with my practice, and I, I do feel the differences. I know that it's, you know, I, I definitely can say that. In my experience, meditation was absolutely beneficial and I need to get that consistency back. Do you feel that someone starting out with meditation, there's a sense of placebo that um, can come through with that?
1: Meaning that uh, the, the, the benefits come from their believing that they should have benefits rather than actual yeah, yeah. changes? Yeah, well, the, yeah. But but I assume yeah. a lot of people
0: go out there and you, you sort of say, oh, yeah, I meditate and it feels really good. And whereas perhaps they're they're not really... Speaking the the right truth,
1: right? Um, I don't know how we could differentiate that in a study, because it's uh, subjective well-being, right? It's um, it's a little bit like asking when you are uh, when you get a new job. Uh, after a hard interview uh, and you feel happy like do you feel happy because the job is really making you happy or just because like he wanted it and and you feel you should be happy now you got it <laughs> yeah we, i mean we can make a distinction yeah, like it's that it's a really
0: hard one isn't it but i guess it obviously exists but
1: yeah I, i'm not sure it, it i'm not sure it matters so much um,
0: but if it if well i think you know cuz if you let's say i i start doing 10 minutes a day for the next 2 weeks and i get to the end of the 2 weeks and i go yeah this is really great and then I do it for another two weeks and then suddenly you, know, you find me not doing it at all because <laughs> I really didn't actually feel the benefits and it was just that first few weeks where I thought I did. Yeah, You must yeah. find a lot of people start meditation and then don't keep it going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then what happens is, what also happens is people start meditation because of a specific um, pain point, a uh-huh, specific yeah. thing that they want to change. They get that benefit after a few weeks and then they stop it. Mm. and then it, it goes back to where it was and then yeah. they come back again and they realize like okay no this is really it's really like a lifelong thing right it's it's a little yeah. bit like taking shower i cannot take shower really well for three weeks and then expect it for the rest of my life i'll be good you know it's it has to be daily it's just uh it's
0: like the, ten-
1: <laughs> the tendency of the body is to get dirty right if you don't do anything it will get dirty by itself yeah. and the, the tendency of our mind is to get busy it's to to, to suffer, it's to get into a mess, right? So, if we do nothing about it and we just let it follow its own thing, um, it will go into those dark places from time to time. So, we need a practice that gives us that inner cleaning, so to speak, on a regular basis.
0: Mm. I like comparing it to exercise. Like, you know, you can't expect to be fit and healthy if you're not doing some form of uh, physical activity during the day. Um, right. And it's, it's much like that with meditation that's the exercise of the mind. And if you don't do it, daily what do you expect is going to happen to your mind
1: absolutely there's no no passive income there you need to you need to do the work to get the benefits
0: how do you encourage someone to, to keep going like if they're just starting out they're, they're going for four weeks but they're you know because I really probably had a little bit of placebo effect and just did it every day but it was probably a year or maybe even more that I, until I really started noticing in my life how much calm I was when there was adversity and, and suffering or pain around me mm-hmm yeah, good question. Um, there are different ways to to, to keep the
1: person uh, with the habit. So the, first, I would make sure that the habit uh, fits well in your life. Hmm. Right? Uh, to If you are enjoying a 10 minutes meditation, but after that it becomes a little bit boring and you're trying to meditate 20 minutes, then you're likely to get to a point where you want to quit. Yeah. So I would say uh, always practice within your window of um, tolerance, so to speak, or, or motivation or enjoyment. Um you can, you can keep practicing 10 minutes if that works for you. Uh, d- try to make the practice pleasant and enjoyable as much as possible. And part of that is uh, finding the right meditation technique for you, which is one of the things that, um, that I focus on that is different from um, most teachers. Uh, finding the right meditation technique for you will allow you to enjoy the practice more. Mm. And therefore, it becomes easier for you to keep it uh, long term. Other things that can help you keep with the practice, of course, is um, you know when you read about the benefits of meditation, um, if you're reading a book about meditation, if you are part of a newsletter that shares stories, thoughts, uh, quotes about meditation, if you're yeah. part of a group that meditates, um, all of these helps. And also, if you, if you can link the benefits of meditation to those things that are most important for you in your life, then you will want to do it for its own sake. So, for example, um, yeah,
0: the connection, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah a- every person has different values. Hmm. So, for a person whose her most important value is family and a happy relationship, let's say. So, if you can link practicing meditation to being better uh, in your relationship and having a better family life, maybe because um, it makes you be more calm and, and not react with anger, maybe because it makes you a better listener. Uh, maybe because you are more capable of um, receiving bad news and being there uh, holding space for people in your family who need to share something difficult. Like if you can make those connections between the practice of meditation and those things that are most valuable in your life, then it will make sense. Like, yeah, meditation is just a no brainer. It's something that I I need to do because it will help me with what I care about the most
0: yeah and again i'll use the exercise as a metaphor relation here but um you know you can start your new year's resolution and go jogging every day and most people will die out after you know a month because they, they haven't made that real connection to why they're doing it and um that's like anything we do if you don't really know why you're doing why internally you're doing it it's not gonna it's not gonna be something that can stick you know you really have to connect it to that um, and then the joy and the passion behind it all, you know, just finding out how you can make it joyful. Like you don't have to go for a jog, you could play soccer or you could go down the park and throw a Frisbee, you know, whatever, whatever it is mm-hmm. that, you know, is, is the, the joy for you. Um, yeah. the question I have around the meditation piece, the style of meditation, are there different styles that we can choose from? Cause typically mine is a, you know, breathing meditation or focusing on the body. Um, and I sit there silent in my room on the floor for, you know, 15 minutes, um, Are you talking about the different styles of meditation we can choose or the different times of the day we can do? Um, Because I haven't really thought about that with meditation before.
1: Yeah, yeah. so there are, are well over 100 different styles of meditation. Most of them are unknown. Most people don't know about them. When you think about meditation, people usually think, okay, there is the breathing meditation of Buddhism and then there is the mantra meditation. Maybe they think of TM and uh, maybe they think of a lying down kind of body scan and that's it right so these are three great types of meditation um, but they're not for everyone so if you have only been exposed to one of those types of meditation and that one doesn't work for you you may think the meditation is not for you Mm. while you could enjoy a different practice yeah so uh, using the the metaphor or the analogy of sports that you have Draw upon. Um, imagine that um, you want to exercise because you know of all the benefits, and um, but you think that there's only running or lifting weights, and you're not interested in any of them. You have tried and you don't like them. Then you feel like, okay, exercise is not for me. But you know, you could do basketball, you could do paddle, you could do tennis, you could swim, you could do martial arts. There's so many things you could try, and you know, out of those hundreds of different sports. I'm sure there's one or two that you can really yeah. enjoy. Mm. And so the, ta- the same thing with meditation. You, know, you can meditate. Um, some types of meditation focus on, on a feeling, like the loving-kindness meditation in Buddhism. Um, there is visualization. Uh, there's meditation with open eyes, where you're gazing a candle flame or something else. Um, there is a mantra meditation. There's meditation where you're listening to certain re- repetitive sounds. Um, there's meditation when which you are ob- observing your thoughts or your focusing on on the pure sense of I am. There are so many different styles of meditation. And uh, Hmm. what I do when I teach meditation is to take people through 15 different styles that for me are representative of a vast array of different ways of meditating. And then at the end of that, people feel like, okay, I I know which one I kind of
0: enjoy the most. Hmm. That's a great idea. Is there a place where we can go to have a look at you know 10 to 20 meditation types and then do a trial over the, the next week or two because again like sure. you know, I, I look back at, and think about journaling I, I love to journal and for many years i just journal because everyone else said it was a great activity and good for the mind blah blah, blah. so i did it but i didn't really know what i was doing and I, it's, it always adapted and it's changed and that you know after a few years i just i actually stopped i said you know what i'm not doing it anymore it feels like it's at work i don't feel the benefits out of it and then um Mm-hmm. then I read something and or listened to someone someone might have advised me but I, I changed the way I did it and I found a way that gave me more sense of joy and meaning and now I've done that I love doing it, you know it's something that really brings value to my life Right I assume meditation well, can be um, the same
1: if you, Absolutely Absolutely and so if people want to just read about it and have an idea of some of the different types of meditation, they can Google uh, 23 types of meditation. And they'll find an article about it with uh, 23, 23 types of meditation. They'll get to an article I wrote where I explain all of these types uh, kind of step by step. Now, if they want guidance uh, with the guided meditations uh, and support of a teacher, the community, all of that, then they can join my Limitless Life program. Mm. And that's uh, liveanddare.com.
0: I like it. That's cool. I'll stick a link in the show notes, guys. Um, so going back to a little bit of control, you know, having meditation and having a sense of self-control, we sort of started the conversation on, you know, how most of what we do is just on on replay based on our upbringing, our childhood, our experiences, everything we've done today. Um and this notion of you know, free will—do you do you believe in free will, or do you think there's there's no free will? Um, and how does that have implications on meditation and this idea that we can have some sense of control and choice over our future? Mm-hmm. Right. So the
1: debate of whether there's free will or not is something that has been going on for centuries. Yeah. Um, Philosophically speaking and religiously, religiously speaking. And uh, also most, more recently in the neurosciences, people debate whether there is free will or not. Um, but there's a research by a guy called Roy Billmaster. I think actually he is a, an Aussie professor. Right. And he's one of the experts in the topic of willpower. Um, he wrote a book called Willpower, The Greatest Human Strengths. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting all this from memory, so it might be slightly different, but um, we can put it in the show notes. Um, and uh, what this guy says, what this professor says is that um, there's research showing that people who believe in willpower and, and, um, and free will, they end up making better choices rather than uh, compared to those who believe more that we don't have free will, that things are not kind of determined or spontaneous or depending on the environment, etc. Yeah. So, in the very least, while the, um, the debate on while the philosophical truth of free will is not clear, um, what is clear is that believing that we have free will leads us to making better choices yeah. and, and living a better life. Yeah. So people people who believe that they have free will, they um, made more effort in, in meaningful goals. Um, they had uh, healthier habits. They behaved more ethically. like uh, there, There's so many pro-social behaviours that were more present in the group that believed in free will than the group that didn't.
0: Hmm. And that's good enough for me. <laughs> I, I, I think, <laughs> you know, so that, that topic of free will, it, it probably goes, you know, a little bit too deep. And, and all I think about is, well, I'm here right now and I am who I am based on my past and my experiences and my upbringing and all that. Um, but I also know mm-hmm. that I can, I can change who i am going forward by doing different things and acting in different ways so therefore there has to be some level yeah. of choice and free will behind that because you know i may not like public speaking but if i went well i did i went to toastmasters and i got up there and i started speaking and, and i can speak in public like you know that that changed things um and i, and I didn't have to do that but i forced myself into that situation so yeah. i think you know depending on what we expose ourselves to and what we do and act and say and think and certainly meditation is a, is a very much the foundations of all that we can change the the path yeah Mm.
1: yeah that's it and um you know uh for me lee one of the things that i that i talk a lot about and teach and and coach people on is the topic of self-discipline yeah and specifically how this is related to meditation okay um because when you when you think of self discipline, many people have a negative idea about it. It's like it's punishing yourself or or uh, forcing yourself to remain on track and to do something that you actually don't feel like doing. Um, that's kind of the idea that most people have about self discipline.
0: Yeah.
1: But if you read the biographies of um, top performers in any field, from sportsmen to um, you know a professional um, artists, anything, you will see that they had a lot of self-discipline, right? that they showed up to do the their work, whether they felt like it or not, whether yes. they felt motivated or not, mm. whether there were challenges or not. They just keep on doing what they needed to do to mm. achieve their goal. Mm. Right? Self-discipline seems to be perhaps one of the only common traits of success among all, all these fields. And so s- self-discipline, I like to define self-discipline as the ability to live life in harmony with your highest goals. And values. Hmm. Right, so it's not about punishing yourself. It's about making choices that will advance you towards your goals, rather than take you a step away from your goals. Yeah. And it's so as simple as that, you make a commitment, and you make a commitment for something that is important for you. Something that comes from within. It's not being forced. Like you yeah. want something. You mm. want to make yeah. a change. You want to create a habit. Be it losing weight, saving money, doubling your income, improving your relationship, um, overcoming anxiety, whatever is your goal in any area of your life, you will need self-discipline because it will not come uh, without effort and mm-hmm. it will not come overnight. You will need to make certain changes. Uh, you will need to put in some effort over a protracted period of time so that you get those results. Right, And for that, you need self-discipline. Yeah. And so every time that you that you do something that you have committed to do, you are saying yes to yourself. You are respecting your own decisions. Every time you break your commitments, you're not respecting your own will. And so you're weakening your willpower. So I, I equate self-discipline to self-respect. It is respecting your own values, respecting your own decisions. Mm. And if we don't respect our own decisions, then um, other people won't either. Yeah. We, we, we don't have that that presence it's That self mm. um you know that seriousness that yeah integrity absolutely
0: Yeah, well said and it's it's um, you know in many ways I feel I've, I'm quite self-disciplined, but in many ways not and I, I absolutely feel that once you have that level of clarity about your values, your goals, um, you know you can still get to a point where you just like let the ball drop and, and do the thing you don't do the thing that you should be doing. Um, and particularly after a period of a prolonged time, you know, that routine can break because you're just like, I don't know, you're a bit weaker, I suppose, to hold up that level of self-discipline and you can probably relate to this. Um, but you actually mm-hmm. start to feel guilty, don't you, when you when you do break um, because you realise that you're not doing the things that you should be doing and you're doing things that perhaps shouldn't be doing and they're not aligned with taking you towards your goals or aligned with your values. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah, you find do you find that, or do you you've got a, a pretty good level of self discipline there in your life?
1: So, you know, self discipline, just like exercise and meditation, is the type of thing that you don't you, you don't set up once and then retire from it. Uh, it's um mm. it's something that you that you pay attention that you cultivate every day. You know, every day we are making decisions about how we spend our time, where we focus our energy, and uh, every decision matters. Yeah. So, um, you know. Willpower. The, willpower is a complex psychological phenomenon. There are many things that influence willpower. The amount of sleep that you have, uh, if you're well fed or not, um, you know how many things are going on in your mind, how busy you are, how stressed you are, all of this influences your ability yeah. to exercise willpower. So you can say that all of this either um, make, makes willpower easier or harder. Yeah. Um, it doesn't destroy your willpower. It doesn't make or break your willpower, but it can make it easier or, or harder. Hmm. And so, one of the things, for instance, that I work with um, um, for, with self disciplined clients is the idea of building a daily routine, and especially a morning routine and um, uh, evening routine. Yeah, right? the, In the middle of the day, things can go. Different directions. We live. We lead complex life. There are so many things going on for most of us. We have different roles. But if you can get the first hour of your day fixed, and you can include the most important tasks and activities, you know those things that will advance your aspirations, right? If you can do that every morning as part of a morning routine, then in a way you have won the day.
0: Yeah.
1: I, and for for the morning routine to really work, then you need to sleep on time. Otherwise, you will uh, miss. The wake-up time, or you will feel tired the whole day, and then it becomes more difficult to exercise the willpower.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So
1: part of self-discipline is making sure that you get enough sleep. You know, that Mm. that's part of the, that's part of the practice as well.
0: Yeah, that routine piece is paramount, and I'm really—that's one of my things at the moment. I'm really, really pushing myself hard to try and get that routine. You know, Um, because I just know that I know I'm a routine sort of person. I think a lot of people you know not everyone is, is is disciplined or is not disciplined but not everyone needs that strict routine some people operate just fine without it but um certainly for me i know having that routine morning and night um things just click a lot more better so yeah yeah i do love it well said uh giovanni i think we could keep talking i'm going to let you go i appreciate you coming on today and um just want to throw it out to you how can people um best reach out to you and i, I know you've got a few things you're working on too so the floor is yours. Sure.
1: Sure. Um, so my main website is liveandthere.com.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, you can find a lot of free information there, especially if you if you join the newsletter. There's also a free three-video course on meditation. could be a really good way for you to get started, especially if you're new or if you don't have that, that daily practice yet. Um, for those of you who want to learn more the self-discipline piece, and uh, implement that in your life. There's a book coming, which is called Mindful Self-Discipline. It's probably launching in May. Um, Again, if you go to the website, you will be able to um, join a waiting list, or if you just join my list, then I'll let you know when the book is um, available. Um, I think this is it. Well, for for those of you who really want to um, focus on self-discipline and uh, maybe want some support in becoming more disciplined in their life, then you can also contact me for coaching.
0: Yeah, I love it. Giovanni, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, Leigh. It was a pleasure. Um, and guys listening, um, until next time, peace, passion, and baby. see you soon